morning. Welcome to Don't Feed the Artist. Oh, shit. I'm Hagen. <laughs> I'm Dave. I'm Adam. And I'm Jackson. Welcome, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed our shallow dive last week, which we <laughs> definitely knew we were going to call a shallow dive. Heyo. I, I I did not know it was good. It was called a shallow dive until midweek. That's what I named my file. Oh, yeah. I see. Dave yeah, did I it. didn't. I didn't know that until I think I I, I I got tagged on Instagram by the Don't Be the Artist Instagram page, and then I saw it was called Shallow Dive, and I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> I don't remember tagging you. Or I think I you're lying. Maybe I'm lying. Maybe, maybe I tagged you. you. I don't know. I got some news. You guys want to hear some news? News. Depends on what the news is. This is mainly, hey, you know, do we have good to? news. Do we have to? No, we don't, but I think a lot of this is good. Okay, fine. Okay. Hagen's just upset because I had pizza before this, and yeah. I sent him a picture. 30 minutes before we start, he sends me a picture of Lover's Pizza in Dallas. That place is so fucking good, and I'm upset that I don't have it in my belly. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. I remember we were recording. Uh, Moniker was recording at one point. I think this was last summer, so almost a year ago now. Um, and you we were in the studio and Hagen's mom brought us pizza and it was lover's pizza and he was like boasting about like yeah this is my like childhood's pizza this place it kicks ass and i was just laughing really hard because i spent the night in dallas the night before and i had had lovers so it was like two days in a row with that shit yeah and you were you were like oh yeah i had that last night (laughs) (laughs) i think that made it into uh one of our little studio update videos It it did Hell yeah. I don't think it makes any uh, sense in the context of the video. So if anybody follows the band and this podcast, that's a little tidbit for you. Thank you for your patronage. So (laughs) I'm going to start with my favorite uh, piece of news from this week. You guys know Brian May, the guitarist of Queen. I don't know if y'all saw this, but this was like, I think it was like a week ago, a week and a half ago. He... He's a really avid social media user, uh, especially Instagram, which is crazy because he's like 60-something, I think. And he basically, especially under all these like lockdowns because he lives in the UK as well, he's been using it pretty frequently. And then he posted something talking about like, oh, yeah, I'm uh, in the hospital. And everybody freaked out because they're like, oh, God, does he have, you know, COVID-19, all that kind of shit? Because, you know, like he's in the H bracket where that would be of concern. And then finally he posted, guess what, guys? I think some of y'all already know this, but uh, he tore his buttocks. (laughs) He did that apparently while gardening. I forgot how he worded it, but like he got, he said aggressive gardening or something like that. Adam, do you remember? uh, I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, It was like (laughs) (laughs) overly aggressive gardening or something like that. That sounds like a sport on ESPN, the Ocho. <laughs> yeah. He was very British about it. So, yeah. Shout out to Brian May for not having COVID-19. I'm really glad that you're... Yeah. Shout out to Brian May's butt. He called it over-enthusiastic gardening. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 yeah. Oh, so that boy, makes gardening! More, yeah, that's, that's more British there, so... <laughs> Yeah, so shout out to Brian May. Sounds like he's fine. He says that, uh, like, basically, it is one of the most 
like excruciatingly painful things he's experienced having his buttocks torn. So there's that. Yeah. Have you ever like fallen on your ass really hard? That shit hurts. Yeah, Hagen, I know what it feels like to fall on my ass because I'm so skinny that I have no butt like at all. There's no fat. It's just straight bone when I hit it. So uh, yeah, I know it all too well. Oh, Jackson has no fat. How cool is he? Yeah, guys, I have negative 5% body fat. I owe my body fat. <laughs> is that that's how that works? That's how that works. So here's a good one. Travis Barker of Blink-182. We all know him, the drummer for Blink-182. He settled the, ba- the debate, guys. You guys you know the big debate, right? You know. Oh, is we, the we debate all... if he should stop posting videos of him playing online? Because if that's the debate, I say, yes, stop now, please. Get it, get it out of my face. <laughs> no, Hagen. It's obviously whether it's Blink-182 or Blink-182. Yeah, not a debate. That's not a debate. Yeah, has no. that ever come is it up? Called, is it called at-at or at-at? I don't know, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it actually at-at? It's. I think it's actually at-at, yeah. yeah but I, I say yeah. at-at. Me too. But that's a thing that people have debated, actually. I don't think anyone's ever called it Blink-182. <laughs> that sounds so weird to say <laughs> I ended up listening to the interview because I was thinking, man, how the fuck did he think that this was actually a debate? But he said that it's 182 in the UK and it's 182 in the US and that's how the band says it because they're from the US. Completely, it's a stupid news story and I was shocked that I saw that. I saw that right after we finished recording last week and sent it to you guys immediately like, I have to talk about this because it's stupid. Yeah, it's super dumb. Who the fuck cares? I mean, it would be frustrating if I was part of a fan base that didn't know quite how to say a band. Like, that band Ghost, they used to be Ghost BC because of a lawsuit, and now they drop the BC, and they're just Ghost. But even when they were Ghost BC, none of their fans called them Ghost BC because they knew it was just a lawsuit. So... That, that's got to be frustrating to be part of a fan base. But this is not one of those yeah. instances. I mean, Nobody me, has thought this. I'm, I'm not close with anybody, as far as I know, that's like super into the Blink-182 fan base. Oh, I guess I guess we have a, a friend, a drummer. Isn't he super into Blink-182, yes. Dave? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've never heard him speak about this. I guess we can text him and ask if that was a debate. But uh, that, that, just seems, that just seems like a ridiculous debate to me. I think most of their, most of their actual fans just call them Blink. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. I think that's accurate. I mean, that's what I would probably say if I were referring to them just because I got to same time. Save time, guys. Um, this is two weeks in a row we've had Blink-182, Blink-182 news. It's a goddamn shame. <laughs> I like Blink-182. I don't like Blink-182, though. I don't like Travis Parker. Eh. Hot take. Uh, eh, eh. I'm not going to get into that whole argument. Damn it! Here's an interesting one. Uh, this one's for Old Man Adam. Uh, Takashi Six Nine. Hey, I heard about th- this before you brought it up. His two hundred thousand dollar donation to the charity No Hungry Kid was declined because, and these were their words, his activities don't align with our mission. So, you know, kudos to them for having, you know, they don't like snitches. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't approve of snitches. <laughs> yeah. 
So, and the reason why I called Adam out on that one is on an episode I had to explain to him who Takashi Six Nine was and explain the whole situation. Because of the show, I know who that is now, and when I see that name somewhere, I understand what the context is. So, is it Takashi Six Nine or Takashi Sixty Nine? Get fucked. Uh, neither, if you read it how it's written. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, so you sent you sent that that meme of the uh, is Takashi what's the what's the YouTube title is Takashi six nine uh, it's like a debate with those little kids right what's the fucking title of the video uh, you have to go watch it Adam I request that you link it into the description so everyone goes and watches this video <laughs> all right everybody the, this is your homework go watch this <laughs> the video t- the title is like is 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 Takashi six nine like still gangster or something like that. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what's in the video. You just have to go watch it. Just three little boys arguing. Yeah, they look like they're like eight years old. <laughs> I think it's something a little more, um, you know, thought provoking than that, Hagen. I think it's something like, did Takashi Six Nine betray his street cred? That's what it was. Was it street something cred or like street that. code? Street code. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defy the street code. So yeah, it's yeah. a little more. Uh, it is. It is. It is. Yeah, it's a little more. Uh, a will more f- well fall out. i so i i said a little more but i said a little more and i had to really pivot quick i was like i'm not a baby i'm gonna be british maybe i'll do a cockney (laughs) accent yeah it's uh did did uh six nine disrespect the street code ah you know adam you could have just said that instead of texting it to us i was trying to give somebody something to work with well, I, I just I, I just here. went through the all the messages. <laughs> I couldn't find it. Anyway, riveting conversation. Yeah, everybody cares about how we found that. <laughs> well, since we're talking about memes, uh, I really hope some of the memes that I'm sharing in our uh, Don't Feed the Artist group chat uh, make it to see the light of day. I've been making memes that are very tailored just to this show. So he's so he's so bored. He's memeing us. I made one too. It takes moments. Yeah, and you spelled kombucha wrong. Twice. I, I, I know I did it on purpose the second time. Uh-huh. Sure. Did you? Leave me alone, guys. <laughs> here's one. Here's my favorite piece of news from this week, and it's kind of a double piece of news for me because I'm excited for two reasons. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 are getting... A remake. So that's a video game for people who don't know. But that's exciting for me because those were super fun games. I used to love skating, and those were obviously games that got people super into skating. And Tony Hawk is just fun, especially those first two games. And hopefully they get these right. But the reason why I talk about this on this episode is not only were those formative games for just skateboarding as a sport, but also for music. Like those, the soundtrack of those games i i learned who rancid was uh bands like goldfinger and all that kind of stuff like i just got super into all that kind of ska punk and all that just from that game so they did announce that the original soundtrack will be on the game so i'm really excited about that i don't know if y'all care at all about that but i grew up on that game i love that game but i I will say that just as a side every character like all the skaters in that game made so much money from that so much money. I mean, good. I'm wondering if it's going to be the original skaters. It, it has to be. I mean, you got to throw all of those guys in. I mean, it would be weird to have brand new 
skaters that no one knows who relates to that. It's the original skaters plus uh, Riley Hawk, who's Tony Hawk's son, and this... Beto uh, (laughs) O'Rourke. I was going to say that, too. I was going to (laughs) say... And there's a female skater named Lizzie Armanto that's she's also in it as well. Very cool. I mentioned Trapped on the podcast before and how they're giant pieces of shit. And especially the lead singer, uh, just a, just a refresher. They have one song that's that's well known, which is uh, Headstrong. And Headstrong to take yeah, you on. <laughs> the lead singer is a massive troll on Twitter and uh, particularly like in the metal scene. And so they they Trapped tweeted tweeted out like. Headstrong will be featured in the in the Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater like game remake. I don't see any dancing Gavins in that in this soundtrack. Like, Ugh. oh boy, <laughs> are they really are they really putting one of their songs in the remake? Yeah, it was Headstrong. in the original. Yeah, man, I'm just excited to hear Goldfinger, and I'm gonna getting older all the time, feeling younger in my mind. Fuck yeah. That's the good shit. I'm just gonna go. Oh, they're all the time. <laughs> that's how I Ladies sing. And gentlemen, that song. that's Jackson Russo, the lead singer of our band. <laughs> exactly. All right, Dave. Do you know what time it is? I think it's time for Dave's Death Corner. Yay! Well, howdy, folks, and welcome to Dave's Death Corner. Uh, where I get to share the unfortunate news of well-known musicians and musician-related people's dying. Today, there are only two guests on the show who unfortunately can't be with us. First is Florian Schneider, who is the co-founder of German synth-pop band Kraftwerk. He died at the age of 73 from cancer. And last but not least, the founding father of rock, Little Richard, has died at the age of 87 due to cancer. Uh, Without Little Richard and his peers, we wouldn't have rock and roll as we know it today. Which brings us to today's topic, rock and roll. Yay! Yay. Are we still in the the death corner, though? No, no, that was just the... See, I segued there. Oh, okay, so so we've left the death corner. So our our topic is about rock and roll, but it's out of the death corner. It comes out of the death corner, yeah. Okay, great, great, great. uh, the, The, yeah. So we're going to be talking about um, rock and roll music from the 60s to today. That's what we decided on. And before we start and dive in, I would like to give a brief, brief talk about the beginnings of rock and roll. The music came out of rhythm and blues, jump swing, jazz, country, and gospel music. And it was pioneered and pretty much perfected by the great African-American artists of the mid-40s to the mid-50s. But as always, with all things great in music and art, The music was at first shunned by the general white public, that is, until white artists began filtering down the intention of the music and ultimately commercializing an an artistic expression that was born out of oppression and injustice. But by the end of the 50s, rock and roll was the most popular music of the decade. Here's where it almost ended. On February 3rd, 1959, a.k.a. the day the music died, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper died in a plane crash, Shortly after that, Little Richard retired to be a preacher, Elvis enlisted in the army, and Chuck Berry was imprisoned for alleged sexual misconduct with a 14-year-old girl. As the years go on, we, we see what we called rock in the beginning have many different evolutions, and although the basic elements of rock still exist, categorizing something as rock has many different parameters throughout the years. 
and that's what we're going to be discussing today. What do we define as rock and roll? That's an uh, interesting idea to me. I was thinking before this episode, what exactly can I... I was thinking through all the artists that I know that I define as rock and was trying to think, okay, well, what defines them as rock? Because you can look at... I have just a whole list of bands that I wrote down from different decades, but you have bands spanning from the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and then you can jump up to people like Queen... Guns N' Roses, Van Halen, Motley Crue, and then you get into people like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and then Foo Fighters, and then you can get into all this new metal, which I would still say is rock, even though it has that quote-unquote subgenre. So it's really tricky what exactly rock is, and that obviously gets into that genre game that we dance around so lightly or just kind of ignore overall it's such a hard thing there's what i say as dad rock and then there's everything after that i just consider okay that's just generic rock in the sense i would put queen in the same category as i would put a system of a down in my book but that that's neither right nor wrong it's such a weird thing to have to put nirvana in the same uh, basket as the Beatles in my book. Right. It's, it, it's strange. Yeah. I mean, that's, but like I said, you know, the beginnings of it came from, uh, gospel and especially, um, like jump blues and stuff, but you can still hear in most of what we would like a music, a musician would consider rock and roll. You can still hear a lot of those same things like loud guitars or, or distorted guitars, some sort of vocal that's less than calm most times aggressive and drums and bass and piano i think that's where i would um put the kind of defining lines is is their live instrumentation and not to say that there can't be electronic elements as you see later on like kind of in the 90s forward but or even the 80s forward but i definitely think there is that kind of the 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 base of the band no pun intended comes from the guitar the live vocals, the drums, and the bass. At minimum, you have to have, you know, like three out of those four elements, I would say, to be kind of in that rock genre. Something else to be considered is the aspect of song and, and, and form of song, and that really helps define a genre and a style a lot. Um, it's easy to put, like, bands in the new metal and metal genre in the in the rock genre because not only do they share the instrumentation but their songs hold a lot of similarity in in terms of form and order um especially when we start talking about guitar solos and stuff like that metal took a lot of that from the from the rock world but i mean that's a really easy way for us to consider what a genre and a style might be uh take classical music classical music's form is totally different from rock's form and you can easily draw lines like that um, but it still leaves up the giant question of like, it's not, like you said, it's not right or wrong, but it is odd to put system of a down and queen next to each other because they share similarities, but they are in no means the same. I think, you know, at the, in the fifties and sixties and seventies, mainly the fifties and sixties, rock and roll was the genre. It was the most popular thing. So in that way, it narrows the scope so people have a more direct definition of what they would label rock and roll. But now, like, you have so many different genres that are very popular, especially since, like, music videos and things started happening, that the scope gets wider. So then when you're trying to label things, 
the wider the scope, you go, okay, we'll just we'll put this thing that has all those ingredients we were just discussing over in the rock and roll section. Yeah, and I don't know if it's necessarily just kind of, it, it's really hard because I wasn't part of this decade of music, but back in the 60s and 70s, you know, the big bands were the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Who, the Beach Boys, and it, it's funny to me that also around that same time, you have someone like Frank Zappa, who is also rock music, but whereas I would say the Beatles overwhelmingly, especially for their time, are pop musicians, and that's what they were, I would never, ever put Frank Zappa, Frank Zappa in that same uh, category of you know pop rock. Like I don't even know what I would put him in. It, it, like they share similarities in that they were both very experimental, but yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I don't. When I think of Beatles, I never think of Frank Zappa or vice versa. Yeah, I mean, couldn't you put Zappa maybe like closer? To, it's not the same, but you could put it closer to like a fusion category than you could to pop rock or to that sort of thing. Uh, but I mean, and it's the it's the it's the same thing where it's like take a look at their songs and the structures of their songs the Beatles were experimental but at a certain point you take a look at their overall discography and it looks about the same in terms of what the song looks like from the outside right there are subtle differences here and there but on the outside it looks like that you take a look at Frank Zappa and it's totally different uh so putting Frank Zappa in like the rock category it does feel weird I don't I mean it's it's a very odd thing to do I do agree though that the Beatles are uh, they do lean more towards a pop band than a rock band. Now they did do a lot of things for music. That's not really uh, the the question, though. I mean, I would say that like they they really really did so much for the music industry and pop music more than rock music itself. I think at the end of the day, with the Beatles, their success was so large that it kind of just eclipses putting them in any box or comparing them. You know, right. I mean, they had the initial British invasion with like the Rolling Stones and the and the Beatles and all those bands. The Beatles, by far, were the more popular group, at least for the duration of their time as a band. I had yeah. a debate with a friend recently that I would like to bring to you guys just for this one moment. Sorry to cut you off, Adam. No, that's good. Okay, so this friend of mine said that the Rolling Stones are better than the Beatles solely because they have more music in their discography than the Beatles do. Now, ignore, ignoring the fact that assassinations occurred, assuming that, you know, like they could have they could have gotten back together, the Beatles could have or something like that. Let's say like his point was the Rolling Stones would still have a larger discography and that therefore makes them a better band because they have a larger form of music to listen to rather than just this amount of time you can listen to them. So like quality over quantity or exactly. vice versa. Yeah. Exactly. That's a weird argument. Yeah, I feel like I I, I I said to I said to him, I was like, I feel like that's kind of irrelevant to the whole point of creating music and being in a band. You don't you don't join a band with the intent or make or start a band or write music with the intention of going, I'm gonna make twenty albums and that's it, or fifteen albums or five albums. You write until you write and then you're done. Maybe the project ends after one album or, or whatever. But uh, I mean there's no arguing with this person. So I'm going to go ahead and give my example, and neither is right nor wrong, but one of my favorite albums of all time, it's on my top five albums, is Grace by Jeff Buckley. Now, unfortunately, Jeff Buckley died before he could release any other music. I mean, there's unfinished stuff, but actually, official studio album, he had one album. 
as far as I'm concerned, that's a perfect record. And I love that album. And I think he has a perfect slate because of that. Now, when people talk about Jeff Buckley and what he was poised to be just because of how popular that album was becoming, everyone saw he's about to become one of those Van Morrison types who has a 30-album discography. And to be honest, and I'm not saying that this is 100% the case, but would I be as into Jeff Buckley as I am now if he had 30 albums? Probably not, because that's so much to get into. Even if you have that one perfect album, like, I mean, you're bound to have something great if you're able to do 30 of them. If you have an industry that's backing you up to do 30, one of those is probably going to be good enough. So I, I see it both ways, you know, but I don't think quantity should give you... Uh, I That's such a weird argument. There are... Plenty of other arguments to have in that the Stones versus Beatles, which is a dumb, dumb argument to have, <laughs> right. by the way, ever. It's just so stupid. But, yeah. What what gets me is I could see that argument being made in the opposite direction of, like, the Beatles sold more albums than the Stones did, and so therefore they're better. That one at least kind of makes sense because they had more of an impact on, you know, culture and music and stuff seems really weird to just be like they wrote more songs than other bands and so they're therefore better because at that point is bob dylan the best musician ever probably not so (laughs) (laughs) like like full full disclosure i don't really care for the beatles or the stones like that much i like aspects but nothing really sticks with me that much right so uh that argument is like you said stupid uh about like which between the stones and beatles uh but i mean at the end of the day realistically uh, it, it it just screams that, like, the Beatles did so much more with their time. I mean, like, with their time, they they in, they sold more records, they influenced culture, they... they I, I'm not going to say they invented pop music, because that's not really a fair statement, but, I mean, they really, really, like, brought a new level to music listening in the pop... in, in, in like, the way that people listen to it, right? It's super weird. I, I just want to give some people some perspective about the Beatles, because this is something I have always thought I'm of the same boat of Hagen where it's just kind of, I don't hate the Beatles. I'm just not a big fan of them, but it is insane when you think about how long that they were a band, they were a band for eight years. And if you look at the output that they had and then how successful they were, um, Hagen, I think we've been in moniker for four years and we have had nowhere near what the Beatles had. So just to think about that, obviously it's a different time, but whenever I think of that stuff, it's just like eight years to cement such a lasting legacy. And of course it's still quote unquote modern history. So we'll see how long that lasts, but I don't see that waning anytime soon. No, me neither. I think the other thing too, is that when you get into discussions about which band is better, it, regardless of what your, what your reasoning is, it still comes down to personal preference. Right. Yeah. And to, to the point about the discography thing too, like they're, they put out all those albums in that short of a time span and they were all, not all different, but they'd made like a lot of big changes between some of these albums and had more right. of an impact in that way. Like if you listen to their first album and then their last album, it's very, it's a different band. And that's even more impressive when you factor in that, you know, seven years time difference. Also yeah. like uh, someone like Billy Joel, he has, I think it's like eight records and Elton John has like 50 
are you going to pit those two together in that sense? No, I wouldn't do that. I would put them together in the quality of the songwriting or the lasting legacy. And it's just, it's weird. Cause I would say that Billy Joel and Elton John in my book are pretty on an equal standing, maybe financially and whatever actual success wise, they're different, but you know, you have that exact instance where there's, Oh, well here's eight, albums and billy joel has said oh i probably won't ever release an album again and then you have elton john who just 50 fucking albums that's insane but that's the thing it's like pitting two bands against each other unless they're unless it's for tabloids and popularity in the moment you can't just you can't really do that you can for conversation's sake but like if we were talking about like do you like the 70s rock music more than you like the 2000s rock music even then it's still personal preference but historians can can actually probably say 70s rock music was better than 2000s rock music so it's that I think, far apart yeah i so i think a, something when we were talking about this rock music topic of how we wanted to handle it we didn't want to do like some full history because it's really hard there's so much we would miss and if we were going to do that we want to do it right by a decade type thing but we did kind of put this a little bit into uh, you know a digestible uh, segments that I labeled them, you know, very cutely. Uh, the '60s and the '70s I called peace, love, and acid rock, and then I also uh, hyphenated later. I said dad rock. What do you, What do you mean by dad rock? Can you? Yeah, can I was going to ask that? that earlier. Is that when a, when a band gets old enough that they are dads and they're rockers? No, I would say dad rock is the music that your dads listen to. That so will classic, change. classic rock. Yeah, classic rock. Classic rock is dad rock. Right now, maybe, but... Yeah, okay, well, but that's all these things, and, you know... So, well, wait, so dad dad rock is an actual term that can change over time, then. Classic rock, I think, is... That's it's pretty, pretty stuck. obvious, yeah. That's, that's pretty a fixed. definite, that's a definite, like, 60s and 70s rock bands is classic rock. But dad rock will change, yeah, but would you say that Nirvana in 50 years from now will be labeled as classic rock? Or do you think they'll always be known as grunge? Grunge. Uh, I think they'll always be known as grunge. I, think, I don't know. I, I think grunge. I think grunge for sure. I mean, it's uh, unless, unless we're taking the classical music side of things where everything becomes classic. Because classical, if you take the actual definition of that word... It's it's very very broad, so it allows us to say everything from like you know even the early 1900s is considered classical music. Even if you write a piece of music today, you could consider that a classical piece of music because of the genre. But the definition of the word means it's old, right? So I, this isn't some aha. I just want to so we can have a little understanding between all of us what the definition of classic is because. You know, if you were to ask me what the definition of classic is, I don't know I, if I could tell you that. That's just one of those words that's kind of hard to define in my book. But this, there are multiple um, definitions, but here's what I Googled. And as an adjective, it is classic is judged over a period of time to be of highest of the highest quality and outstanding of its kind. So I don't know. That, that It's really kind of ambiguous, I would yeah. say. Yeah. That definition doesn't really apply. I mean, I think I think that classic rock. I think it's going to be stuck at where it's stuck at. Uh, I think that 
putting put i mean it, you you i guess you could eventually put things like nirvana in classic rock but it's going to be weird once grunge rock is considered classic rock because now we're talking about like almost two separate ideas and sounds right and i mean but i don't know i would say that someone like uh black sabbath had was considered metal heavy metal and i would say that they've almost now over the period of time not because they are, their music has changed, but because music itself as a whole has changed. They have gone from, okay, they were heavy metal to now they are kind of more referred to as rock or classic rock. But that may be just the way I'm seeing it, and that's the peculiarity of all of this is that it's such a, it's an opinion. Yeah, and I think, you know, when I think about actual rock and roll, um, I think about Chuck Berry and I think about, little richard and in some respects like fats domino and all those people that's what i would call like oh that's rock and roll where like the word was starting to be thrown around but when i think about rock that's more of a broad term and then classic rock is that next era your led zeppelin your Jimi hendrix and all those bands that were really popular in the 70s but then again like acdc i would call classic rock yeah that's the other band that uh yeah it, it's hard to really put them where they land on this because the biggest ACDC ever was, was when back in black came out, which was what late eighties, early nineties. I think that came out in like 90 or 91, something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was around there. Yeah. But actually it definitely came out in the eighties, but I don't know what yeah. year, but that's crazy because that's a band that's been around for so long and, you know, dirty eats under cheap and, you know, all this stuff I would help back in the seventies and whatnot. But the biggest what people know as ACDC is the that album Back in Black, which apparently I gotta look that up. Go ahead, Hagen. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna take us away from that for a second. I want to ask everybody a question. That's this is an opinion question only, but I just want to know since as, since we're in the 60s and 70s, what's your favorite band from the 60s and 70s? I'll go. I'll go first. It's pretty obvious. They're tattooed on me. It's Led Zeppelin. Uh, John Bonham is, in my opinion the most influential drummer to the rock genre, which is a totally separate conversation from what we're talking about now, but it is similar. Uh, I do think the way that he played, obviously was influenced by other people, like he was influenced by other drummers, but the way that he played with energy, the way that he, I mean, it was it was just, it was just different. Just watching him, the way that he wrote parts, it was just 100% different for him. Um, so he's a big reason why, but I do, uh, Led Zeppelin is my favorite band from the 60s and 70s. Could you also kind of could you call Led Zeppelin somewhat of a supergroup? Uh, have you ever heard people talk about that? How I like, have, I don't really like subscribe to that so much. Only one of them was famous. The only the other two were session musicians. I don't really think that makes them part of a famous thing. Yeah, I don't think you can do a retroactive supergroup kind of thing. <laughs> so. No, that seems weird to me. Then, the, then you're just like, they were a super group. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard any band who's in what we call a super group actually like being in a super, being right. called a super group. I don't think I've ever heard of a band say, yeah, well, we're in them crooked vultures, you know, that super group. They, I've never heard them say that. They're just like, we're in a fucking band, dude. Yeah. The only thing that makes me feel weird about Led Zeppelin is the 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 copyright stealing music stuff that's the only thing that makes me feel right about them sometimes but 
it, it's only because it's put in the light, like in the media and when it's explained to me. Um, because back then there were not clearly drawn lines on a lot of that stuff. And I think we talked about it before, but it's really important to mention again that music is like it was constantly stolen by people and stolen makes it sound like it's this negative thing. But that's how music grew and changed is taking it from other people and making it your own. Now, it's up for a different debate if they actually straight up stole a song, but it is really important to note that that at the time they were just taking stuff they had heard and playing it. What's really yeah, it, weird about that is um, the only example that I find super strange about Led Zeppelin in that copyright thing is the Dazed and Confused song. Or, yeah, I think that was it. I think there was, that was a, like, a, like a Muddy Water song or something like that. No, yeah, there's so. a there's another song that I'm thinking of that the Yardbirds sang. Maybe it was uh, Good Times, but one of their on their first album, Led Zeppelin's first album the Yardbirds played that song. That was their song. And what was super weird about it was Jim, Jimmy Page played in the Yardbirds before playing in Led Zeppelin. So it's just like, wait, no, that that's definitely taking that song from them. But um, I, I just do want to say, Hagen, I completely agree. The Led Zeppelin is the only band from the 60s and 70s that I like. I, I did find that looking back through all these bands from the 60s and 70s. I, I can appreciate bands like the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, the Beach Boys, the Doors, but I don't actually like their music. The only band that I actually love their music is Led Zeppelin, and hands down, John Bonham is my favorite drummer of all time. It, dude, just He slaps, you know? He fucking slaps, dude. He fucking but, slaps. So to go back to what you were saying before about them, you know, their copyright stuff, in the early days of rock, that was a huge thing, was like people were covering each other's songs and stuff, but it wasn't necessarily covering. So the example I had was uh, Little Richard's Tutti Fruity. He wrote that and was trying to, he was starting to get some popularity from it, but uh, Pat Boone covered it and got way more popularity for it. And I saw this clip of Little Richard talking about it, and he was like, he stole my song. So, you know, Led Zeppelin, at least, it seemed like they were kind of paying tribute to the people that influenced them when they were playing their songs. Whereas, in some instances, white artists were stealing like, yeah. Elvis. They were covering other people's songs and getting more notoriety for it. And that's, and that's again, that's, you know, there's definitely something to be said about that side of that conversation. Um, but I mean, I, I do really think it's important because I mean, I think you can attest to this too, Dave is like, I mean, in jazz, you quote shit all the time. I mean, all it's, I mean, it's something that you just do is you just play shit that you didn't come up with off the top of your head, you know? And that's just the way that it goes. Sometimes classical music is literally built on big on like hearing something and then going, I want to do that, but in my own way. And sometimes it sounded the exact same as the other guys, but it's really important to note that rock music, it's not, I don't, I don't think that a lot of times they were stealing it. I think that when the examples that you're giving, it is like stealing, but it's also like there's different, there's different levels of uh, wrongdoing that's happening in that one where it's yeah, like, they, they were, they were covering it knowing yeah. that they would get more publicity for exactly. it. Exactly. And some, some record label owners, uh, like I think the guy from chess records was like, Hey, that's a great song. Let's give it to this white artist so that we can make right. some money. I think that goes for any, almost any kind of media though too, where like people are making movies that they're clearly influenced by things that they saw that are from 40 years ago. It's not stealing either. It's always, it's sometimes 
paying tribute to something or ripping something off too is a different matter. But I think that's just common in any kind of media and that's kind of how we get new things anyway. And it's yeah. not a thing that has to be explained away as like, well, that's how it was because it's still happening too. So It's still happening, but there's in there's so many lawsuits that happen because it's like quote unquote stealing. And it's it's it, it just it just upsets me. It, it's it's stupid. Uh, so much of the time, not all the time. So much of the time, it's stupid. Yeah. My my favorite band of the '60s and '70s was the Eagles. That's a good one. That's a really really good one. But I think that's mainly be I think that's mainly because my dad like listened to them a lot. So that's where I came into that. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say I think I agree that Led Zeppelin for me is the. The one I can always go back to and listen to more. I like listened to a lot of Pink Floyd when I was younger, but I don't listen to them that much anymore. I just think that did influence like how I consume albums and things to some degree, since they had you know a lot of concept albums and stuff like that. But I think for I think most people would agree that Led Zeppelin is the one that's like most defining of that era. I know uh, Adam, you and I kind of, or I know I for sure ran into this whenever you and I did the King Crimson deep dive. As a fan of prog rock and just progressive music in general, I really appreciate what bands like King Crimson did for the genre, but that doesn't mean I have to like your music. And that's kind of how I feel about a lot of these bands. I don't like Pink Floyd, but I really appreciate what they did for the music that I actually do like in that genre because you couldn't have a Coheed and Cambria without a Pink Floyd. And I definitely appreciate that, even though I don't like their music. Yeah, and I I think... King Crimson would kind of fall down that list too. They're obviously not at the top of it, but I do listen to stuff of theirs often still. Um, but I think Led Zeppelin had a bigger impact just because they were a bigger band and and their music is different across their albums too. It's not all kind of the same, whereas King Crimson feels very much the same sometimes. So the, there's another aspect to this too where you know progressive bands like, like Yes, they had a number one hit at some point on the radio. And it was a it was a seven and a half minute long song. I you know I see all these posts with people saying like you know oh you know we can never get that nowadays music is turned to shit people want to listen to bad music and I would I would honestly one hundred percent just say like the reason not saying a yes song was bad but the reason a yes song could be the number one back then was because there just wasn't a lot there just wasn't a lot to fucking listen to there was so, less music and that was popular and that's how yeah. that was. And it's super, I mean, it's amazing that a Yes song, a prog song, got to the number one. I, I'm, I'm only saying this to if someone's listening to this and going like, God, I wish that happened now. Like, well, it does. the reason it doesn't is because there's a lot of music out there. So, sorry. I mean, there, there was Dave, still... hit that bass line. <laughs> no. But uh, uh, I was, <laughs> we, we also had bands like like Hart and Billy Joel and Elvis, or not Elvis, uh, Elton John, Elvis John. Like Fleetwood Mac were around at that time. There was tons of music. I think one of the things was is that there wasn't, like MTV changed so much about exactly. the consumption of music in the 80s when it happened. Yeah. That, you know, the radio was more of a thing where there were a lot more college radio stations, local radio stations, so you could have different airplay. Yeah, it wasn't like most of the radio stations from the '80s onward. It was the same rotation of songs all day, whereas back then you, the DJs had more control over what they could play. And I, I, I wasn't saying there was like no music, but it's just it's just it's just different now. Uh, to go back to the Eagles for a second, I was once told by somebody 
uh, when I didn't know a lot about the Eagles, they were explaining why the Eagles were amazing. And I wasn't questioning them. They were just kind of teaching me. Uh, and they said that the Eagles are like one, one of the only bands to survive being from that era. And then the other one, I'm not saying these are right points. I just, I'm relaying them. Uh, They said one of the only bands to survive being from that era. And then the other point being they're like, I think he said they're the only American band during the British invasion. Uh, And yeah, Dave's, Dave's face is perfect. It's uh, (laughs) sorry. I keep throwing those looks at everything. (laughs) I wish I could see your face, Dave. I can't see it. How can you, why can't you see me? I look so good, dude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah when i heard that i didn't know any better and also this person was uh you know older than me and teaching me things and and i wasn't going to question any of it but you know when i finished the uh, you know after the fact i read about it and i was like he's wrong why did he say <laughs> that stuff <laughs> yeah yeah dude the, the eagles took like 14 years off <laughs> <laughs> he's wrong <laughs> So do you guys uh, want to talk a bit about the 80s and 90s before oh, we yeah. talk about what modern rock or what we think modern rock is? Let's fucking do it. I called the 80s and 90s hair metal and its grungy demise. Yeah. Hey, cheers cheers to that, everybody. Yeah, cheers to it. I, I don't like hair metal. None of the bands <laughs> that I... Uh, hair and when I uh, hair slash glam metal, you got your poisons, you got your Guns and Roses, Bon Jovi, Van Halen, Motley Crue, you got Kiss. the Outliers, yeah, Kiss. I do like Kiss a bit, but not I don't love them. Um, but you, then you have Outliers of the '80s like Metallica and ACDC. By the way, I looked it up. Back in Black came out in 1980. So, bam, perfect. Yeah, so then you have these outliers outside of that hair metal and glam, you know, like the Metallicas and ACDCs. And, of course, outside all this, you have all the synth pop. You have your Elvis Costellos. You have your uh, Phil Collins, stuff like that. And I don't really think those fall too much in line with what we're talking about today. Even Queen. I mean, would you say Ween? Queen. Oh, Queen. (laughs) I was like, Ween? Are they that old? (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> but in in the 80s like you did have uh bands like zz top steve ray vaughn and like eric clapton there was like a blues rock thing that was going on at that time too in terms of in terms of hair metal why do you think hair metal existed it was sexy yeah i mean i think it was i think it was sexy and i think it was a way for uh, uh for people to hear heavy music as they knew it then as heavy music and like rock music, but put it, try to put it in like a pop light, a sexy light, a nice light, because it wasn't in your face, right? Compare Black Sabbath to a hair metal band. Black Sabbath's fucking heavier than a hair metal band. And yet we still classify hair metal bands as hair metal, but we might call Black Sabbath rock now. So it's, it's, it's a very weird thing. Uh, but I do think that hair metal, was it came from a thing of like, let's try to make this a little bit more um, popular for the people so they can enjoy it a little bit more, which I, uh, I mean, they failed at long, at, at, I mean, it succeeded on some level, but it didn't last a long time. No, you, Yeah, you hair have... metal is one of those genres that I think once the fans, like the people who were there for it, once that generation dies out, and I mean, actually when they die, 
I am curious <laughs> if anybody cares about Motley Crue in 2050. Like, it's just, no. It was also a, a thing with, like, like the idea of counterculture that was popular in the 70s. Uh, a lot of that stuff was propagated on the fact that the the youth were disenfranchised with the government and stuff like that. But in the 80s, there wasn't really any war or right. anything to, like, have a counterculture. But yet rock and roll and, and, I guess, metal was popular. So they had to create a popular counterculture. I would say that during the 80s, you did have stuff like Ronald Reagan and Thatcherism and stuff like that. So around then, you did have... I, I just watched that movie, Blinded by the Light, talking about um, Bruce Springsteen and kind of... So I would say that there was some disenfranchisement. That was a weird way I said that, but not in the same way. It, it was much more subtle. Yeah. We we also should mention um, punk rock just for a minute and just mention how important that is to the entire push of where rock ended up. Also, I mean, even in the 80s uh, and, and, and the 90s, but just, just where it, it got to. I mean, the level of energy, the like talking about the... Disenfran- what did you say? What was the way you said that, Jackson? I want to say it just he like said, you said it. Disenfranchisement. Yeah, disenfranchisement. Uh, Disinfectant. <laughs> you mistook me. <laughs> Throwback. Uh, I I really think it's important to uh, to mention that punk rock, the where it comes from, the energy uh, is very important to where rock got to. But also, musically speaking, what it did for what we when we get into like Metallica and even in, even for the hair metal, but for the thrash metal shit, the punk rock like the form and the way that they played all their instruments was so much inspiration for those metal bands and how they got to where they got the the speed at which they played. I'm not gonna say clarity because there sometimes wasn't clarity, but that wasn't the point of punk rock. Uh, but it's very important to mention that what punk rock did and those musicians did had a massive influence on the way people played, and sometimes it gave them the courage to spread a message at the same time. That that was the thing. I think a lot of the younger punk rockers realized that they didn't have to be like Eddie Van Halen to play the guitar. They right. could play simple four-chord songs at a very fast pace, and if they had a good message, like the Sex Pistols were talking about, like, the establishment, then they could make some traction with that. Right. Yeah, and e- even on top of that, because there's a lot of, when people think outsiders, I would say, look at a genre like punk rock or metal, they think, oh, those are just the aggressive people who don't like their parents. But you also have one of the biggest punk rock bands, Fugazi, who they were all vegan, straight edge, and it's just there were plenty there really there definitely is that toxic masculinity in it but the message wasn't always this super aggressive thing sometimes it was just talking about like hey we think maybe alcoholism is bad that kind of stuff so well in in some respects the punk culture of that time was very accepting of all different races and and sexual preferences and stuff like that because they just wanted to have you know, I mean, if you were already into the punk rock stuff, you want to have your own group of friends, regardless of what your, uh, I guess, what your constitution is outside of the music. Let's come together for the music. It was very much a DIY scene. What's that uh, punk rock song? There's a, a, I think it's by, um, 
It's Nazi punks. Fuck off. There, that's by a uh, a super famous uh, punk rock band, and there's that whole idea of like it's the Dead Kennedys. There it is. It's called oh. Nazi punks. Fuck off. And there's that whole idea of like, hey, we see that there are these shitty punks who are trying to make this Nazi area of punk rock, and we're like, nah, fuck that. We're one of the biggest punk rock bands right now and we're gonna just straight up and get out and very plainly say no fuck all y'all like there's there's no way of interpreting that song other than like yeah no we're not cool with that so very very inclusive so do do y'all have any bands from the 80s that you like i would say i wouldn't even i don't know if i would i guess i'd call them rock in the 80s but queen would probably be my favorite 80s rock band if i had to pick one I have a thing where I like uh, I was I started off listening to Metallica and uh, I have grown up and there uh, I, I I can't say I wouldn't listen to the, some of their old stuff but I really don't like Metallica anymore. I think if I had to, it would be Megadeth. I think Megadeth would take the cake for me as favorite rock band from the eighties. Hell yeah, boy! I I would probably say Metallica just because. You know that I did have a lot of time when I was growing up in the early '90s with Metallica, and so. The, and if you listen to the right stuff, choice, the bass is actually good. Yeah, if it's there. Yeah, if it's there, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> whereas, Dude, whereas, I played, whereas, what was uh, that? Are you talking about the? <laughs> dee 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 dee? Are you talking about that song? I mean that, yeah, but I I played, you know that uh, Anesthesia Pulling Teeth, the Cliff Burton song. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think I I attempted. And failed miserably to play that at my fifth grade talent show, <laughs> and it was it was I got like the first maybe minute, and then I think I probably just stopped and walked off stage. It was horrible. So I would say, but also another quick aside: the Enter Sandman video. When I was into the Backstreet Boys, that video I saw that and it gave me nightmares for like a week and a half. It scared the <laughs> ever living shit out of me. So, I'll, st- I'll still say Metallica. <laughs> what about you, Adam? Do you have any '80s bands that you like? I think Queen is a good choice. Um, although I was never really into them until the last few years. Um, I don't know why. I just kind of wrote them off when I was younger. I don't have any reason that I remember. Uh, but I think Prince is an interesting one for the '80s, just because of the impact he had on a lot of things about music and that i don't know the first really i guess throughout the whole decade he was doing some of his biggest work that he would ever do so yeah i think prince also kind of although he had some songs that could be considered rock and roll you could also talk about make the argument for prince being rock and roll as an identity and what he was doing in terms of what was going on in the scene and how he was pushing you know his whole vibe that could then we start to see the idea of rock and roll as an identity more than a representation of just the music itself. Yeah, yeah, and I think he definitely had like very clear rock influences, obviously, and so that's kind of why I would tie him in to some degree. Like his Super Bowl performance was one hundred and ten percent a rock performance. Yeah, very true. So this is where in the nineties, not completely like breaking off from eighties to nineties, but pretty much in the nineties. Rock took this kind of handbrake turn where you go from this very stylized, pristine condition of how fast can you play, how well can you play your guitar in the hair and glam metal to very much 
it was people were apathetic to what they were appearing. They just wore jeans and a t-shirt. They didn't take a shower and they were playing SNL. We're talking about grunge and a lot the big bands of grunge, you know, you're talking about your Pearl Jams, your Nirvana, Alice in Chains. But then also outside of grunge in this er- era, you have bands like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Green Day, and then, of course, after Nirvana was over, you have the Foo Fighters spring up. But the big thing in the 90s that really took uh, rock music for a turn was grunge because it just was kind of this, I wouldn't say sloppy, but there wasn't this, it, it was a jagged edge. It wasn't the complete pristine diamond that music was trying to be. It was very much like, well, here are these good songs, and we're going to you know, be really heavy about it and... I think it really touched on that uh, disenfranchisement. Uh, there you go. I nailed that fucking word that time. One of the one of the one of the coolest things about the beginning of that decade that like illustrates how Nirvana is, and grunge is about to take over is in 1990, Metallica released the Black Album, and then very quickly after, Guns N' Roses released a double album, uh, the Use Your Illusion album, and then in '91 was when Nirvana released Nevermind, and it was just like a like okay that's enough that's enough of this stuff we're going to take over for the rest of the decade yeah and it i mean i think it goes back to what i mentioned earlier about how punk really influenced a lot because punk wasn't about an appearance i mean it was about an appearance on some level but it wasn't about we have to look a certain way or play a certain way and they grunge might not have taken the speed at which punk played, but it took a lot of the attitude at which uh, that, that punk had. And it, I would honestly say sometimes expanded on it and sometimes lessened it because sometimes the attitude of like, like the, the not caring that punk had was like really cool sometimes. Uh, but with a message most of the time and sometimes grunge had a message and sometimes it was like, like you said, it was just lazy. It was just lazy. Well, and if we're, if we're, you know, we defined some things earlier, let's, the definition of grunge is grime or dirt. So it wasn't, right. you know, it wasn't leather, it wasn't uh, big hair or fast guitars. It was just like the, the misfits. I hate saying that. I hate when people are like, dude, we're just misfits. I hate that. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, we're just fucking losers. That's what it is. Or we just don't care about appearances, but you're not a misfit. The anyway. 90s is such a strange time period for me because there are bands like Pearl Jam that I enjoy their first record, but I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of them. I don't like Alice in Chains. I fucking hate the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, but it, it, it's definitely one of those eras where it's like Nirvana is such an influential band on everyone that I know. I do like Green Day's 90s output so much. And then you have bands like the Smashing Pumpkins who are like, uh, Billy Corgan's the reason I play guitar. So, and Grace it, came out in the '90s. That too. So there. Jeff Buckley's it, album. Radiohead. Radiohead. We have yeah, Oasis. Radiohead. Blur. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oasis. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you have all these bands that I really do like, but then also the those are typical, not the typical bands that people are pointing towards in the '90s of like saying like, oh, you know, like you have your Nirvanas, but I mean the bands that are influencing me from the '90s are, you know, like the Jeff Buckleys, the Radioheads, and I'm not saying it's some big, like, oh, man, I like Radiohead, but it's just like, I don't know. I think there's my first lightning bolt in the background. I can confidently say the band, I'm not going to say bands, the artist that inspired me the most in the 90s 
I'm not, we're not talking about favorite bands from the 90s yet, so that's a different conversation. But I will confidently say, as being someone who was born in the 90s, the, the music that inspired me the most in the 90s was pop music, was in sync, was shit like that. That's what inspired me the most when I was that age. And when I think back to the 90s, that's usually what I think about is shit like that. I don't think about the rock music. I Sure, like, I, but like Nirvana's great. But when I was a kid, I didn't listen to Nirvana. When I was, when, you know, in, in 97, when I was five, I wasn't listening to Nirvana. If I was listening to anything, it was what my, what, what my parents were putting on or like some pop shit that I liked. Right. But so in the 90s, we start to see, you know, obviously MTV has evolved. So there are segments of MTV and the other countries' music channels. They were evolving into here's the pop hour. Here's the, you know, late yeah. night. There's, a, there's an alternative rock. Here's the heavy metal. Here's the, you know, even they started getting all blended into one. So at the age that we were at in at that time period, we only would have been wanting to see the other stuff because the rock and roll or heavy metal wasn't mixed in with it. I remember because I was in 95, I was like at the point where I was starting to get into music and really care about stuff. I was also into pop music and I love the Backstreet Boys and Hanson. They were like my fucking jam. And I was being scared by Metallica's Black Album. It was terrifying. To me. <laughs> and then, like, less than three years later, I got one of the System of a Down records for, for Christmas, along with the Black Album. And I started watching those alternative music stations and listening to Offspring and all that stuff. So it's, it's just a different time. We're starting to see the separation of that thing, where rock is already being put into one thing, even though it's hair metal or throwback of the you know led zeppelin and stuff like that and we're starting to see the thing where there is just a lot of music there's just a lot of shit you can listen to i mean even just listing off those 90s bands that we listed like that's a lot that's a lot of music to go listen to just trying to listen to like radiohead and foo fighters that's a lot of shit to just try to absorb if someone told me now, hey, my favorite 90s bands are Radiohead and Foo Fighters, I'd go, fuck, I'm not going to go explore that insaneness. That's a lot of shit right there. Well, half of it's shit, and the other half is just pure. <laughs> yeah. My God. <laughs> so what's so what's everybody's favorite band from the 90s? Uh, mine's Foo Fighters. Move on. <laughs> Jackson, what's yours? I really like that one that goes... Feeling younger in my mind. You know, that came out in 1996. <laughs> Goldfinger is yours? Okay, Adam? It's not uh, his fucking answer. Go back. Hold on. Wait a second. <laughs> it's Radiohead. It's obviously Radiohead. And Jeff Buckley. Those are the two 90s ones for me. Also, if I have to pick one that's like, you know, the big band, uh, I would say Smashing Pumpkins. Wait, yeah. so are we talking about what's your favorite band from the 90s or favorite band while you were in the 90s? No, favorite band from their, the 90s. Their output of the 90s. Yeah. Oh, because shit. because we, we couldn't answer the 70s question. Otherwise. Right. Well, I just asked because we were some of us were actually... Yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah. I, I think Smashing Pumpkins probably over Foo Fighters in the 90s. I think. But I don't know. I've never really thought about it that much. They kind of... 90s music just kind of all blurs together as just there's so much of it so i don't know well 
and and we were kids it's really hard to think about music back then i mean like we, we can go back and listen to it as much as we want right if something sticks that's cool but it's really hard to think about music output from the 90s i think honestly because we were alive and we can actually put like times and dates to things yeah i think a combination of that and then for me at least i grew up listening to more classic rock stuff because that's what you know my dad had and that's what i heard more often so i think i have more association of those tied to you know when those albums came out versus the 90s was like yeah no smashing pumpkins was around yeah i mean all their albums that i do like are from there so that makes sense but i've never really identified that as a you know that's my favorite band of the 90s kind of thing i know that uh my dad tried to like as i was a kid he showed me like metal and shit like that but i didn't like it and i don't know why uh maybe i wasn't old enough maybe it was my dad who knows uh but i i i remember him showing me things like metal and just not being interested and i think that maybe it was because of the age i think it's hard it's hard for most kids and most uh just young young people to be into things like metal and things like grunge you have to reach a certain age to be into it i think that's I mean, I could be wrong, but I think that it's very rare to find like a five-year-old that likes that likes Nirvana. You got to be some level of jaded. When you when you started playing drums, Hagen, were you did you immediately dive into John Bonham? No, no, that took me a long time. I I I was uh, very very unfortunately into Lars when I started. <laughs> very very unfortunately, thought Metallica was the shit, and listening to shit. And, I mean, like I loved System of a Down, and I loved a lot. Of, like I played a lot of that stuff too. But where I got a lot of my start and how I wrote drums was through Lars. Goddamn shame. I, I think I'm I'm ready to move into the the 2000s, the aughts, and we can kind of wrap all this up at the end of this of what we think modern rock is. Um, this one I called "What's a Guitar Solo." No laughs. That's fine. Yeah, because I I, wa- I want you to go into that. I want to talk about that. I read that. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a... Th- I'm, I'm going to get angry about this. No, that's not an actual, like, genuine feeling of mine. That's just that joke that, like, oh, you know, bands like Fallout Boy killed the guitar solo. Good, good. That's not how I genuinely fa- feel, though. So I would say that it, when we're talking about what was popular in rock music, of the 2000s i would say that it kind of it hovered around two types of music i would say probably new metal and then pop punk being your like your fallout boys your blink 182s your kind of green day didn't get pop punk but you know you guys know what i'm talking about in that sense but it, let's back up to new metal you have your system of a down who i hate that they get thrown into new metal even though they had that aspect of uh, about them but um i don't know any other new metal bands guys slipknot uh, slipknot is new metal corn is new metal lincoln park i would say at, at I think some point it gets put there uh 311 and incubus were considered they were considered new metal but it's you know i would put incubus in the same category as you would jackson where it's like System of a Down and Incubus nowadays we wouldn't necessarily consider new metal because their legacy has outlasted the trend of new metal, which I'm totally comfortable calling it a trend. One hundred percent. It's this weird. I don't even know what necessarily 
you know, classify something as new metal. There's the seven string guitars, maybe. Um, uh, uh, the, the rapping. The use of a DJ. The use of a DJ and rapping. It's literally just the the, the definition of it is uh, uh, alter, alternative metal that combines elements of heavy metal music with elements of other music genres, such as hip hop, alt rock, funk, industrial, and grunge. So literally just taking metal and combining it with something else could be considered new metal. Yeah, so you got metal, parachute pants, uh, wallets with chains on them, um, Jack Skellington. <laughs> but that, you know, that stuff, it, like a lot of it also is like the song structures are different in new metal where it's a lot of it's based on riffs, which can be taken from the hip hop culture of having samples. It's not necessarily about chords that make sense within a song that we might have been concerned concerned about before. But that's also that also comes from the heavy metal thing of the seventies and eighties, though. Uh, of, I mean, like Metallica riffs are very, very like. I mean, that's that's a huge thing for so many people is like Master of Puppets riff. That's that's a riff everyone knows. Um, I think I mean the origin the or, or origin of riffs is a complicated one, but I do think like using hip hop in that regard in the form. And the repetition of something that's very new metal for sure and just having a dj yeah that was a there was a big time in in metal for new like when new metal happened it was such a popular thing it was all over all the magazines because they were still very relevant at the time i remember having an entire wall of like corn posters and limp biscuit posters and slipknot posters and wondering like with my friends what do the guys in Slipknot look like? Because at that point, we didn't know yet. So, like, there was some sort of, you know, counterculture involved with new Metal. New Metal is a weird thing where I, it's not something I necessarily relate to, but System of a Down would probably be up there in one of my top 10, top 15 bands because they're just such a consistent band, and also they've grown up out of that era but around this you know 2000s uh you did have you know other bands kind of springing up uh i mean like i I, not necessarily springing up but i would say their bigger uh releases you have somebody like queens of the stone age in the 2000s and then i don't know you have bands like vampire weekend who popped up uh, arctic monkeys weezer didn't but then we get into like alt rock and indie rock which yeah. is even more confusing. Yeah. Genres suck. Let's just well, call this genre part two. This was a whole mystery, guys. We figured I, it out. I think I think that like the it, it in this case, it only it doesn't make it confusing because alt rock and indie rock are confusing. It makes it confusing because as I've been saying, there's so much music out there. So you don't really know what is going on, what to listen to. I've had that happen multiple times where I mean, like, I, I think all all of us, the four of us listen to such a wide variety of music, and I hope everyone who listens to this podcast also listens to a wide variety of genres and styles of music. But I find at times I sit and I go, I want to listen to music, and I put something on that I think I want to listen to, and I'm like, no, that's not it. And and then I put a different music, like a different like band in the same genre on, and it's the same thing where, like, you know, okay, well, this isn't working. So I put a different style of music on. And it's still not working. And there's just so much out there that it gets really confusing and like hard to think about what I want to listen to. 
and so I think that that's more of the issue than the confusion of genres because yeah, that's confusing, but also like maybe I want to listen to metal, maybe I want to listen to indie rock. They both do a similar thing for me at times, but I don't know which one. It's a good yeah. problem to have. Yeah, and also at this time when like, if you look at the I wrote down like what what the what was at the top of the charts and we have bands like Lifehouse which they had that song hanging on by a moment that was like they could have been a one-hit wonder and then Three Doors Down uh the Chili Peppers which is good for them that band Crazy Town remember that song Butterfly Yes fuck that <laughs> Creed Nickelback uh, Nickelback, Collected Soul, and Incubus. They had Incubus. That was when Drive happened. Was like the early two thousand. So it was like already you can see there's a divide between rock fans that are fans of the mainstream rock and rock fans that are fans of like the I guess quote unquote underground of what's going on. Yeah, because one hundred percent. I you know out of those bands you just named, I, I really feel like only a handful of those are really you know actually have much worth to much much worth saying anymore i mean three doors down they played at trump's inauguration do any of us care about them (laughs) so they were they were the first ones to take the gig (laughs) that's how far down they had to go was was uh three doors down yeah it's just (laughs) wow I, I can't see your face, but I can only assume that's a dad joke. No, I wasn't. No, that wasn't a dad joke at all. I was saying Three Doors Down sucks. And they, suck <laughs> enough, they suck enough to play at Trump's inauguration. <laughs> oh, dad. You silly. I love Superman. You know the song by Goldfinger? Feeling younger in my mind. <laughs> I just realized that that song is called Kryptonite by uh, Three Doors Down, but whatever. You guys yeah, it's close enough. It's close enough. But so we've already talked. We've talked exhaustively about emo music, but then you, you also have those. That was a huge thing uh, around the mid, like 2005 onward. You have, you know, your Fall Out Boys. You have uh, My Chemical Romance and other bands. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, you reach a point where you have the emo stuff, the indie stuff, the alt stuff. There's all the metal, which we've talked about the metal stuff in our metal episode. Uh, and, and, and it keeps expanding into different, you know, there's uh, there's like noise rock that starts to become very prominent. That existed, but now it becomes more prominent. Uh, you have experimental rock, which is, you know, I mean, it starts to really, really expand into... Yes, genres are confusing, but also like, what if I take my idea and I do it this way, and people and someone's gonna listen to it, right? You know, someone's gonna find some joy out of this kind of concept, um, which is a really really cool thing, and I'm glad that rock has done that. Um, but I guess uh, I, I'm not gonna ask you guys what your favorite band is from the 2000s because that's very hard. Fuck, it's it's Incubus. I was, I was waiting Cambria. the whole time. Incubus. I didn't have a good answer, so. Thank you. I don't have a. I, I don't have a good. I don't. I mean, like, I don't have a good answer. Um, yeah. Between the buried and me. I mean that that would it's between the buried and me or Foo Fighters, but I, I mean like I don't have a really solid choice. I mean it's. I agree. Neither of those are solid. So just say Cody <laughs> and Cambria. 
But so so okay, so in the two thousands too, we have bands that are we saw this a bit in the eighties, but we have bands that are popular for their first couple of albums. And then in order to keep longevity, they end up crossing over into the pop side of rock and roll. So I think about my favorite example is uh, Coldplay. <laughs> Am I unfrozen? Yes. Yeah. But also talking about Coldplay is laughable. Yeah, but Coldplay's first two records were like, actually, I think they're really good. And then as they moved on in their career, they had, in order to stay relevant, they had to pop things up and become more of a stadium rock dance culture kind of thing. It's also the same example as Maroon 5. Songs About Jane is a great record. I saw them on that tour and it was awesome. And then I heard their next record and I was like, what the, what happened? I would I would say that uh, I think I, I agree with the Coldplay point, but Coldplay's most recent album is really cool, very interesting. We talked about it on the podcast. We talked about it before, I think. Uh, yeah. uh, another band for that example is Young the Giant. Young the Giant's first two albums were really great indie rock, and then after that, it just turned into like this weird indie pop bullshit. And I do like their third album. Their fourth album is trash. Um, but I mean, it, it's a thing where I, I think they did a good thing for themselves because they, I mean, Coldplay did too, but they adjusted to their listeners and they adjusted to what was happening in, in the scene um, in a really, really good way for them. But uh, I, I think it, it it's a sacrifice for sure because, I mean, who knows what they wanted to do? You never know if a band's first album is what they really wanted to do. Uh, you also have to consider age and growth and if that actually like does something to you or what like maybe Coldplay was getting into the dance shit when they wrote some like some stadium rock dancier albums. Maybe they were getting into it and they decided I want to do this. Take uh, take Mumford and Sons, for example. The first two albums are, are, are this isn't this is this isn't piggybacking on your example exactly, but it's similar where their first two albums were a specific thing and then the third album was a very different thing. Right, they they pulled a Bob Dylan and went electric. Yeah, exactly. But the the other thing with that is that another thing we have to consider at that point would be that Coldplay is a rock band, and when you're doing these summer festivals, you're on the festival with all the other pop acts. So that's another example of oh, the influence could be coming in where they see an audience react in a certain way to what the pop bands are doing. So yeah. why don't why don't we take a little bit of that in in terms of like a rock pop fusion? I, I I think that that's most likely the case. I just like to have some kind of hope that maybe these bands are just into this shit, so that's why they end up doing this, or that maybe they've grown. Young the Giant, I think, grew because they, they were really young when they started. So I think that they actually did grow, and they actually did start writing stuff that like that, that was similar to what they were listening to. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's very... Uh, it's It definitely is very dependent on your fans and your influence and your surroundings for these big bands and what they're going to do, except for like Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters just give a fuck. Yeah. They just stayed the same way the whole time because same they're as, great. Same, same as, as Radiohead. Radiohead. Yeah. Same as Radiohead. Yeah. yeah. They, they say, I mean, they don't say the same, but they stay who they are. Yeah. Jackson approves of my comment. He's not gonna, he's going to give him a visual cue on an audio podcast. Give me a thumbs up. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think if we're talking about kind of the state of rock when you're talking about there, I've always felt modern rock bands, there's this weird thing is if they're successful for one to two albums, no matter what, within like a five album radius, they end up becoming this weird, generic, 
uh, synth sound that like M83 has and all those like indie synth bands are. It's weird that they all kind of start going towards that direction. So it's definitely noticeable from everyone. But uh, there was that kind of in my I when I was younger, my idea of success was like, oh, you're playing a stadium. You got, you know, a band like Muse or Red Hot Chili Peppers playing at the biggest stadium in Dallas. And it's just like I, I've kind of I've drifted away from that that I'm I don't really think that's necessarily what success is but in my mind I thought that kind of oh back in the 90s I bet the biggest band or the bands that who the musicians who were playing at these massive stadiums were probably these rock bands but I've come to the realization that that probably was never the case you probably had you know the same you know, ratio of pop musicians playing the same stage as a rock musician. So this kind of idea that rock is dead is very strange to me. And it's just, I think really the realization that I've come to as I get older is that rock is not dead. And it it's more of rock is just different from what whoever is saying rock is dead thought rock was when they came up with their identifying piece of substance that made it you know rock for them and i think uh chavis who we had on the podcast a while ago he said it really nicely that music the pendulum swings and if you're on one side of the pendulum and the pendulum is completely away from you at that the swing if you try to chase it you're never going to catch that pendulum but if you stay right where you are there's always a chance that what you're doing is going to become one of the more relevant things because you're being honest to what you are. And then also that's just the music, the nature of music is that it's always changing. It's never the same thing. What's popular right now will not be popular in even 10 years. I guarantee it. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, you think, you think about disco, you think about hair metal, you think about maybe like mumble rap. Now there are those are three genres that will won't become classic genres like we were talking about earlier so i also think about like in the 80s you had uh van halen with jump using synthesizers you had bruce springsteen even used synthesizers at one point but it was in an effort to stay popular with the trend of what was going on yeah i i also i want to go back to what you're saying about people saying that rock is dead those people need to shut the fuck up because they're idiots. And yeah, I, shut up. <laughs> that's that's such a that's such a dumb thing to say. It's 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 unwilling to change. And if that's the way you feel, that's that's totally cool. But you also need to accept that there are still plenty of rock bands alive. There are still plenty of rock musicians doing their thing. And if you don't like it, that's that's cool. Go keep listening to classic rock. That's fine. Yeah, keep listening to Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rock's not going to go backwards for you. It's just music's not going to go back art and in general, not going to go backwards for you. We are the way it works as you go forward. If you look at any level of art history, like you were saying, Adam, it all does this. It all learns from the past and grows. And so you have to, you have to take a look at that before you start to yell that, you know, rock is dead. So I have a question. Do you guys think that we could, in the future, do you think you could see a world in where rock music doesn't involve the things we stopped talking about at the beginning of the episode? So it doesn't involve uh, electric guitar or drums or bass or keyboard. Um, yeah, 
I think so. I, I think know. a band, I think a band like um, like Twenty One Pilots is a great example of it doesn't have to include everything in the exact way we're talking about it, and it still is a rock band. Yeah, but the the one of the two members is a drummer. Sure, that's one of the two members, but I mean they incorporate all they incorporate a lot of the features, but it's not the same kind of concept. And right. I would say I would call them a rock band. Yeah. I would say that industrial rock is the um, yeah what you're looking for here, Dave, because you could have someone like Trent Reznor show up to a stadium or just any type of amphitheater with just an electronic setup. He could not have a drummer. He could have only drum machines and you know keyboard synths and stuff like that. And I think he could make that a rock show. I think part of why that would work, though, is that he's he has the influence of rock and roll history. But if we're taking any any indication of like the modern day hip hop era, a lot of those artists that are relevant now, for example, are not referencing the history. They're doing their own thing with what's current in the style. So if eventually we had a bunch of quote unquote rock musicians not paying attention to the history and not using any of the instruments, but just calling their music rock music, would it still have the same characteristics? The answer is rhetorical, and I would lean towards, no, it's not the same. But it's just a strange thing to think about a world where we call rock music nothing to do with electric guitars, drums, or piano or bass. Yeah, it, I, I don't even know if I could like truly answer that in such a quick fashion as we would have to on the podcast. I would have to really think about that. That's kind of like that classic example of you have an old ship and over 50 years you've had to replace all the parts on the ship. It, there are no longer any of the original parts, but that was over time. And now is that a brand new ship or is it still the old ship? It, it's It's weird. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think that I think I agree. No, it would not be uh, the same thing. But knowing the way that music and art changes, you never know what's gonna happen. You never know how someone's going to view this, like something that we're talking about, right? Uh, I I keep bringing it up like classical music as a, as a um, example, but imagine us in the eighteen hundreds sitting around having this exact same conversation. <laughs> about music at the time are, are they going to be referring to this music as you know this you know 20 years from now 50 years from now whatever it is like well they have to it, it, it applies and then you know modern day we're just calling it all classical music unless you're educated you know what I'm saying know what I'm saying yeah Dave do you have any more questions about rock music or can we talk about what we're listening to this week that's not rock music uh let's talk about what we're listening to this week that's maybe not rock music (laughs) again hey listen (laughs) so i've been listening to goldfinger superman by goldfinger uh no uh, legitimately, I've been listening to really two records. I got two records in the mail this week. One of them was the Mountain Goats' All Hail West Texas. I feel like uh, everyone who has lived in Denton, Texas, has to own a copy of that album because the opening track is called The Best Heavy Metal Band Out of Denton, Texas. 
So I, I got that on uh, vinyl this week and have been spinning that. That's been good. But the big thing is that came to me early this week was Moses Sumney's The Gray. So this is his double album that he started releasing at the beginning of this year, but he just released the second part this week and sent out the physical copies. And I got to say, it's called The Gray. Um, and by the way, thank you, Elon Musk. Now I know how to pronounce uh, that A-E little thing. Uh, it's Ash, it's like a, I think. Like a, t- a T-H or something? It, yeah. yeah. I think you're right. It's um, Ash. Wait, do you know how to say it? it or It's Ash. It's okay. Ash. So uh, that's how you? the gray is spelled. <laughs> Did <Yeah>. your car? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Adam. A friend of ours, a friend of ours, real quick. A friend of ours works at SpaceX, and uh, we were giving, we were like just like making jokes about that in the group chat. And he goes, "Oh yeah, Elon did have another little boy." That's all you have to say about this. That's what all you fuck? have to. That's all you have to say about this. He drank the Kool Aid, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Moses Sumney's uh, "The Gray." I don't think that there's going to be a better album this year. That's definitely like my number one contender for album of the year. So like that album is it's a double album. It's fucking phenomenal and it is probably the best physical uh album I've gotten in my lifetime. Just the way it's packaged, all the stuff inside of it. It's got this like uh like those old slide projector like at school when you'd have the light up and it would uh project on the wall. It has one of those slides that you put on a picture. Yeah. It, and you put one of those <laughs> you put it on the lyrics book. And it like you know finishes the lyrics. It's so cool. I'm telling you, I can't wait till we're in the same room and I get to show y'all what this physical album looks like because it is super creative. That's what I've been listening to. I wasn't I wasn't trying to be a dick. I just wanted to be clear about what he was talking about. <laughs> that, was, that was so good. <laughs> uh, Jason Isbell came out with a new record called Reunions, and it's really good. But I've, I think I've also been kind of bouncing back and listening to like. Uh, I listened to Stevie Wonder's songs in the key of life because it was his birthday this week. So I dove into that. I will say that I haven't been listening to Dawes. And I think that from making so many jokes about it on the, on the podcast, I haven't been listening to it at all. I'm glad we can help your mental health. Yeah. You broke me down enough that I don't listen to the thing that I love. (laughs) (laughs) And you guys are my friends. (laughs) <laughs> like Hagen said, Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, I've I've been listening to not a whole lot of new stuff. I also listened to Jason Isbell's. Uh, is it an EP or an album? I, I, it was really short. Uh, it's a, it, well, it just came out yesterday. Oh, oh, okay. I haven't listened to that yet. I listened to the, yeah. the the four song the 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 four songs that were out. I guess previously. There's another uh, six six songs that you haven't heard yet. Okay, cool. Well, I, I listened to those four, and that was uh, very, very enjoyable. But uh, in, in general, I really haven't been listening to a lot of new stuff. I've, I've been kind of – I tried to listen to some new stuff, but I just wasn't really feeling it. So I was going back to uh, to my boy Theo. I listened to a lot of Between the Buried and Me on on uh, on my sweet vinyl that my record – or that my neighbor didn't uh, steal from me. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so I've just – I've been kind of going back to my to – my, loves my true loves this week hey hagen if you're looking for some new stuff tau and the get down stay down just released an album today i saw that uh i i was gonna listen to some new stuff last night um but i i instead played video games so and today i've been learning music 
So, you know, that's where I'm at. So I also haven't listened to anything new recently. Um, so I don't have any music that I've been listening to, but I do have a podcast that I think people should check out that is related to music. Um, it's called... I'm going to completely beep this out okay, so cool. no one can listen to it other than ours. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> you just, well, actually, no, edit you in going, edit you in going, don't feed the artist. <laughs> <laughs> don't I'll feed do the that. artist is the only podcast you need. <laughs> there you go. No, it's called Roderick on the Line. Um, it's this musician guy, John Roderick, um, from the band The Long Winters, is a Seattle-based musician. And he just does a, a weekly like call with his friend, and he's been doing this for years, and that's just the podcast. And right now it's really interesting to me because they're talking about how like they're they're introverts and they like they really like how this whole stay at home thing is going on. And they kind of think this should be the new normal. I don't nobody needs to go to work if you don't want to go to work. You can work from your house, and this is great. And so they're getting really sort of philosophical about it, and it's really just been interesting as another perspective on everything um compared to how you know a lot of other i guess news outlets or media personalities are being about it where they're like oh it's we're all stuck at home we're all in this together and they're kind of like oh this is kind of great like for for people like us this is this is ideal can we keep this so i I think that's really interesting and uh if people are interested in that then they should go check it out uh there's a lot of people who are doing that kind of like podcast form now where it's like they they were two friends who had like weekly or daily calls and then they you know, we're now doing a podcast. One of them is uh, my my favorite boy, Stephen Amell, who is Arrow uh, in in the show Arrow, um, and he he uh, has a wine company. And him and the the co owner of the comp- of the company they do a, a weekly call or a daily call, I guess now. So they started to do it on Instagram Live, and then they made it a podcast. And um, I love you, Stephen Amell, if for whatever reason you listen to this. But wow, your podcast is boring as shit. Uh, I really tried. I love your, I love your content in general, but holy shit. They, they made the podcast. What did you do? Like, or how'd you do it? That's what it is. How'd you do it? And so they're asking the person, you know, how did you do the thing that you're known for? So they like are having their actor friends on, like, how did you become an actor? Like, that's interesting to a point, but they also spend the first 20 minutes talking about their quarantine outfit for the day. And it's just, it's, man, I love you, Stephen Amell. Stop it. I really wish celebrities would stop doing YouTube and all this shit and And, podcasting. Yeah, and pretending that they they made it up. It's kind of their new thing. It's like, oh, what a a novel idea. And you're like, well, it's been happening for like 10 years at least now. More than I'm that. down for them. I'm down for them to do it. Just make it good. Don't be shitty about it. Don't don't just 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 because you're a celebrity doesn't mean you have. It's the same thing with like, oh, I'm an actor, so I can now be a singer. Fuck off. That doesn't mean you can now be a singer. I'll quote Modest Mouse here. All them eager actors gladly take the credit for the lines created by the ones tucked away from sight. Mm. Wow, that uh, was so that, cool. That let's was wrap amazing. up the rock and roll episode. <laughs> Let's wrap this shit up. I'm so mad we didn't talk about Modest Mouse, Arcade Fire, Death Cab for Cutie, all those types of bands. Those were all things that you were the one that could have brought up. Put your shirt down. We don't need to see the ribs. My shirt is down. No one believes you, old man. (laughs) Jackson just calls everybody old man. Okay, sometime in the future we'll do an episode. We'll do a topic episode about that uh, subculture of rock and roll where all of Jackson's favorite bands are, 
And sometime <laughs> also in the future, we're gonna, we're going to do an episode about where all Jackson's least favorite bands are. So look forward to both of those. I genuinely never want to talk about Jackson's favorite bands ever again. Well, we got to yeah. do we got to do one or the other. We got to do yeah, the yeah. other, please. The I other. really okay. don't like American football, so you know, bullshit. Yeah, fucking bullshit. Um, by the way, if uh, anyone really liked this episode, obviously we weren't going into the deep history of all these uh, decades, but if that's something people would like to hear, definitely reach out to us, and we can always do it a breakdown. It sounds like a lot of us have a lot of time on our hands, so that's not something <laughs> we would necessarily turn down. <laughs> If I may, if I if I if I may take us out, you guys mind? If I may take us out? No, go for it. <coughs> hey, listen. Thank you all so much for listening to Don't Feed the Artists. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and rate us five stars. And remember to feed your artists. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great sexy night getting older all the time <laughs> feeling younger in my mind <laughs>